it's time to talk with Liz and Peter. Good morning, my love. Good morning, my love. What do you want to talk about? Why you sound so mad? I just want to switch it up because <laughs> normally I'm like. How'd you sleep? Uh, I slept pretty well, actually. I very, very deeply. I normally I try to wake up around like 5:45, but I gave myself an extra hour today. And again, I'm feeling a little groggy because I gave myself more than six and a half hours of sleep. So. Were you tired enough to warrant that extra hour? Um, at the time, I felt tired enough, but in retrospect, maybe I was not. I don't know. But yes, yesterday when you said that you slept too much, did you end up feeling more rested after you woke up, or did you stay groggy for a while? Um, well, I guess I didn't take any kind of nap yesterday, so maybe I was more well-rested, but I was also just, like, really on, like, constantly doing stuff all day, so I didn't really have a chance to think about nap. Yeah. Because, like, I, I get tired at 2 three o'clock every day. Right. Like most people. I think a lot of people have that like post-lunch crash, especially most people who are like in the millennial age range who maybe, maybe you're like me and there was a point in your life where you were pretty fucking poor and then you cut it down to two meals a day, but really, uh, and you told people that you were intermittent fasting, but really you just didn't have fucking money. So you cut it down to two meals a day because, you know, um, and that habit's kind of stuck. So I don't really normally eat until like noon, one o'clock anyway. Right. And I feel like because I don't, like I, I kind of do intermittent fast every day, uh, that when I do get that, that food in me, that it hits my body and then maybe does not energize me so much as makes me groggy. Yeah. Um, you know, like a, a, a post-food nap. especially. So I've, I've been trying to eat smaller uh, portions for lunch and then like a big meal for dinner and then go to sleep, hopefully. But then again, like eating too close before going to bed makes me like sick. Like, I, you know, there's just something about like, I can't put a ton of food on my stomach and then go to sleep because it'll just make me feel ill. Um, and it doesn't matter what I eat. Right. I've even cut back on hot sauce. Uh, and I love hot sauce. Uh, but I just don't love the way that it makes me feel at like three o'clock in the morning after I ate dinner at 10, you know, right. We've talked about how we kind of like, we, we lead this very Spanish lifestyle in terms of how we eat. Cause we don't eat until like, one, two, three in the afternoon, sometimes later. And then dinner, you know, we don't eat until like eight, nine, ten o'clock at night. Um, but yeah, it's not really conducive to, I don't know, feeling good while sleeping. So try not to do that too much. It's interesting how your body works. Cause like, I don't really get hungry until one o'clock. I've also kind of conditioned my body. To, I, I used to intentionally do intermittent fasting, but now it's just like a habit. Um, so I also don't eat to like one, two or three right before mm-hmm. I start working with clients Yeah. and yeah, eating dinner around nine, nine um, has worked well for me cause I, I, I do well going to bed right after dinner and I sleep well. Um, so our, I think our bodies are just a little bit different. I enjoy that you go to sleep after dinner because then I can stay up and do things. Yeah. You get that time to yourself that gets yeah. cut short since I'm waking up earlier. Project time. Yeah. Good for you. Yes. Well, my dear, I wanted to ask you a question to follow up on our last episode. I kind of talked about what it's like to wear the therapist hat sometimes and then switch gears to like just the regular Liz hat. And I was wondering about your experience with that. Like, um, I have no problem with it whatsoever. Okay. Would you like to elaborate? No, I'm kidding. I, I do the same thing. 
Would you like to elaborate? Uh, yeah, sure. So, like, the type of work that I do is normally very analytical, very detail-oriented. It's a lot of reading things, comprehending what's going on, breaking it down from, like, an academic or, or like, a, um, like, an industry jargon type of thing to something that, like, a fourth grader would understand. You know, that's a lot of what journalist, journalistic work is. Um, it's just communicating something in a, a simple way. Um, and so, yeah, doing that all day, I guess, just makes me really kind of, like, look at everything with that eye to detail, uh, especially language. So if someone says something, like, I'm, here's something that I've noticed. Most people, when they're talking to each other, are not actually listening to each other. They're just sort of going through the performative actions of doing a conversation. You know, uh-huh, yeah, da, 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 kind of just like, you know, that, that like uh, a green amplify type of thing that people do, right? That just to make, you know, conversation flow easier. But they're not actually listening to each other. And I know that because <clears throat> I found myself actually listening to people and asking questions based on the things that they say or finding fault in the things that they say and and keen in on that and people are not used to or at least <clears throat> I don't know it, it feels like a lot of time especially strangers because like I don't have this problem with my close friends but like you know people who maybe aren't as familiar don't seem to be used to doing the non-performative type of interacting mm -hmm. and so if you're actually listening to somebody and asking questions and interrogating what they're talking about then like I don't know that can lead to some awkward moments um, but that that's good right um, and here's an example of it manifesting in our life. Like when you come home, sometimes like, you know, I'll be sitting here, I'll be like, had just gotten done with some deep work still in the zone. You'll sit down and you'll use like the wrong word over and over again. Like you'll think you'll, you're saying the right thing. I can't, I can't even think of a good example of it right now. Oh, what was the one last night? Do you remember? I was saying cup instead of pen holder oh yeah you were saying you were saying the cup holder and you kept like talking about the cup holder over and over again i was looking at you and i was like i knew what you were talking about you were talking about the the pink thing that was sitting on the deal and i was like that's not a cup holder and you were like the cup holder and i was like no no no, no. think about it like stop like it's not and you were like well you like and you knew that i knew what you were talking about because of context clues but i kept pointing out the preciseness of languages and that that's not a cup holder that is, a, that is a receptacle for pens. That is a cup that holds things, but it is not a holder of cups. Right. And so, just, like, that annoyed the shit out of me, but probably more than it would have had I not been in the, like, look for error in language and writing mindset, you yeah. know? But just doing that over and over again, obviously, if I'd just been using a hammer for the last, like, three hours, and a problem comes across my path, you know what tool I'm going to reach for, naturally? The fucking hammer. Okay, so you kind of still had that work hat on. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that was an example of keeping the work hat on gotcha. too long. Gotcha. Do you have a way that you switch gears? Uh, yeah. I mean, I like to, if I know that you're coming home soon, then I like to stop whatever I'm doing work-wise, like an hour, at least an hour before, and take that time to decouple myself from... The work mindset and that's i'm not always successful at that because so much of my work mindset just gets transitioned over into doing personal projects for myself right because i don't really see a whole lot of difference and i'm very lucky in this way and very privileged and and very grateful that i get to for the most part live who i am as what i do to get money 
Right. Right? And so I am someone who is just naturally drawn to language and words and editing and writing and, you know, constructing a, a narrative and all those things. Everything that goes along into that. And that's what I do for work. So, so yeah, there are, there are times when I have, like, quote, unquote, the work hat on. But it's also just who I am amplified and applied. It's not, it's not that I'm like, that. this is some, uh, you know, part of myself that is separate that I just like, like a mask I put on. It's not like, I, I have, uh, you know, shout out Carl Jung. Uh, I've integrated my mask. I'm a fully integrated person, like my, uh, or my shadow self. I've integrated my shadow self, right? Like I am, there is no difference for the most part. I mean, there's, you know, that there are some things that I keep from everybody. So I guess I haven't fully integrated it, but like, I, I am, I, I write good. Yeah. In normal life. Right. Yeah. And so like, that's just who I am and what I do. So it's kind of hard to say like, yeah, I have the hat on too much cause I am the hat. It's just that like, I guess when I'm, when I'm more me, you know, is, uh, is, and I, I need to tone it back. That's when that's, that's kind of what I think of. Yeah. And one of your skill sets journalistically is your ability to like kind of interview people yeah do you ever in social situations find yourself like instead of having like a natural flow conversation doing like kind of doing the interview and interrogate type of position instead of like the more like common conversational position when you say common conversational would you unpack that a little bit what you meant earlier as far as how people just kind of like do the natural back and forth agree and amplify like, do you um, find yourself ever, like, kind of journalistically, like, more, like, interviewing people style? Sure, yeah. If, I, if I'm genuinely interested in someone, I won't really talk that much. You yeah. Know? Ideally, if I'm interested in someone, they're talking 80% of the time. Yeah. And the things that I'm asking them, again, because it all starts with listening, right? Like, to, to ask a good question, to have an educated opinion, to... Uh, make a decision that is that is well informed, right? You have to take in as much information as you can within reason to get to that point. And when you're talking with somebody, if you're genuinely listening, if you're and I say genuinely, like that's the key word, right? Like actively, actively, and like not not just actively, but like actively uh, in terms of of like the physical components of it, but mentally also invested in the interaction with the person. Right. Because you can do the mechanics of the thing, but the heart and soul behind it, if it's not there, then you're a robot, right? Right. And so if you're actively listening, actively engaged and interested in a person, if I am, then I'm wanting to dig deeper into whatever they've keyed on in on as the core story of their life. Right. Yeah. Because everybody wants to talk about themselves. There's that. Uh, what is it? The there's a, a Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That book. Uh, there's part of it where he says something along the lines of, and, and I always butcher quotes, right? Um, uh, the sweetest sound a person can hear is the sound of their own name. Yeah. Right. It's it's that kind of thing. It's that amplified because it's not just their own name. It's their own existence that you're asking them to put on display. Yeah. And we're all gonna die someday. And the thing that we all want to do is to put our existence on display as much as we possibly can before our light is extinguished. And if I'm providing that to someone, then it, it's easy for them to want to give if, if, if we have a good relationship. The way you're talking and describing this sounds very similar to what I was saying in our last session 
our last episode when I was talking about how, like, if I had more of my therapist hat on, I asked those extra deeper questions mm. to explore, like, their inner self more, their inner thoughts, feelings around whatever they're talking about. It just sounds like you do it from a different lens. Yeah, because I want, I want the historical, you know, version of a person. And I also want to get the character traits out of them as well. So, like, I want to hear, like, you know... Because uh, it's, it's always about, like, at least in people... Like, with people that I, I newly meet. Like, if it's appropriate, I want to figure out what they think of as their defining characteristics. And then dig into what those are and why. And like, cause that's like, that's the crux of what your story is. Right. And so you can do that pretty easily through informal interviewing. Yeah. Cause, and you can ask, you can ask questions that, that can lead you down and, uh, down that road. Like, um, you know, pe- people, okay, here, a, a quick lesson on small talk, right? Uh, most people small talk, Hey, Hey, you know, how's it going? Oh yeah. Weather. Oh, how's your family? Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. You know, okay. That's, that's cool. Like, that's great. That's cool. Surface level totally gets you by. Um, but if you're like trying to really like get a relationship going with a person, figure out ways to key in on things they really care about. So, uh, instead of, um, you know, how have you been? Right. Sure, ask that, but then, you know, a little bit later, try to work your way into, uh, what are you even thinking about a lot lately? What's mm-hmm. been taking up your time? What are you even spending your time on? Mm-hmm. Right? And you might not get to, like, the crux of what it means to be them as a person, but you're going to get whatever is top of mind for them, important to them right then, and then you can start going down that road, right? Oh, you've been spending a lot of time working out. Oh, cool, like, how did that start? Like, oh, really? You, like, oh, you started doing convict conditioning when you were in South Korea? Oh, what was, what was, yeah, how, da, 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 like. So we kind of are doing the same thing, but you're looking at their, like, history, characteristics, and, like, kind of personal, uh, like, construct and and context around you, the you person. Can tell, you can tell who a person is by how their story has developed. So you're looking at their story, yeah. and I tend to go through conversation curious around their thoughts and feelings around the yeah. events of their story. There's a lot so of overlap, kind of but I like, think it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's just different. Uh-huh. It's different, but it's very, it's similar in basically trying to dig deeper, but you're looking at one element of the story, and I'm looking at, like, kind of a different emotional element of the same story. Yeah, I guess I don't center emotions as much. I center, like... <sighs> like, not, you not describe like pure... actions and characteristics. Yeah, but, like, it really what it's about is like getting to the crux of who, who a human being is. And I think a lot of that, like people have like a, a notion about themselves. Uh, I am whatever. Right. And that's fine. That's cool. Like everybody has that. It's our hero story. It helps us explain the world around us, that whole sort of thing. But I find it so much interest, more interesting when you can get a complex uh, understanding of a person by asking them about the, like to tell you the story of the, the their defining moment. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, like, I tell that story about playing basketball in South Korea in front of 100,000 people, right? Right. I consider that one of my defining moments, right? For whatever reason. And everyone has a handful of those. And you can tell, like, how they tell it, how they present themselves in the narrative, um, you know, what if they're if they're really honest, whatever whatever outcome is, you know, can tell you about them. And even what they what they like leave out and, and how they, they skewer skew things can tell you about people. Cause like 
there are very few people who tell a 100% honest, like, with all the warts and scars version of their stories. But the ones that do, maybe they're better at manipulating and getting past people like me who, who look for, you know, the less than the truth. But I, I just feel like they... I don't know. I, I just really appreciate people who are willing to put themselves on display like that. And I guess I'm very similar, just slightly different lens of, like, I look for people who are willing to vulnerably share their thoughts and feelings around, you know, their current life, their past life, kind of putting themselves on display that way. And you're you're looking more for story, and I'm looking for, like, the thoughts and feelings involved during the story. And, like, yeah. And so, so it, yeah, we're just... I, I feel like it's it's similar. Now, I, I to, to kind of piggyback on what I said last time, one of the things I said in our last episode was that I sometimes am tired and I t- take my therapist hat off when I'm engaging with friends or family. But one thing I didn't share is that, like, when I'm not tired and I'm really, you know, invested in the person I'm talking to, Sometimes I'll ask my friends or family, like, when they're telling me about something, you know, that's, like, important to them or a story that's really relevant in their life or um, something that's kind of heavy or whatever it might be, um, they're coming to me as someone close to me, and I sometimes will ask them for consent. Mm. Like, I'll ask them, are you looking for therapist Liz right now or Liz Liz right now to answer or to respond to you? And my friends are really good at telling me which one they want. Like, are they looking for my, like, theoretically based guidance or opinion or thought or question? Or are they looking for me to just be a friend and just validate and support and be like, yeah, you know, just normal conversation? Yeah, and I, I want to point out, so so maybe we'll cut this, maybe we won't. But it makes me think of uh, a couple things. One, a recent experience that we had where some communication that was not meant for another person got in front of them. Uh, and kind of how that illustrates to me, like, I, I've been thinking more and more about how I want to, even when I'm tired, always carry and present myself in a way that I would... Like, I wrote that poem a while back about, like, who you are in private and who you are in public and, like, trying to make those people the same. Like, kind of, like, living that out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it makes me think, like, with the stuff that I say to... to you know, in private, if the people say I am talking about a person, if the person that I'm talking about were to hear it, would I, would I feel good about them hearing? Like, would I stick by the things I was saying? Would I say it in the same way? That whole sort of thing. Um, and so I say all that to back into, uh, we had a, a, an experience recently where we had some, uh, family friends come visit us and I wasn't aware of it at the time, but it's a couple and, uh, they were in conflict and, uh, one of the members of the couple had gone to you for uh, advice and you weren't really feeling like being a therapist at that moment. Like you weren't really feeling like giving good, like actionable, real world measured advice. You were more about validating like, yeah, fuck him. Like he's pe- da, 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 like, you know, kind of just like making her feel better yeah. about the whole thing. But then he got into her phone and read through her messages and saw that. And it makes me think, like, as you were doing that, even before I knew that he was going to see it, I was thinking, why are you, like, why are, like, she she can rev herself up in, a in like, a dumb bitch juice way 
on her own. Why are you doing that? But then I realized, like, sometimes people just need to be heard and validated and that whole sort of thing. But then I was like, damn, it really sucks that somebody saw that and sees you carrying yourself in that way when in reality you are capable of being a wise, measured, like, more therapist person who can give actual good advice rather than the advice being yeah fuck him he's an asshole I mean, you're I mean, right i didn't say those derogatory terms but I okay just, but the sentiment yeah of the, the thing. sentiment was i just backed up whatever she said right and to me that's more of like a common social how a friend just supports a friend when they're angry and you're right like i looked back on that experience and I, I had made a deliberate choice to not wear the therapist hat because I had honestly just gotten off of work. Mm-hmm. And looking back, I wish if I had known that person was going to see it, I would have left my therapist hat on and given more measured and balanced and realistic feedback. If they break up, it's your fault. No, it's just, yeah, like I oh, so you agree. being strategic about... But again, maybe I should have asked consent in that situation of like, which hat do you want me to wear right now? You know, like, who do you want me? How do you want me to yeah, show up towards point. you? Yeah. Like, what do you need from me? Like, my more like therapist, which is again kind of like you said, it's very integrated into who I am. Right. It's just a part of my brain. Sometimes I gets tired. I get tired of using if I've worked all day. Yeah, well, I'm. I'm gonna push back on that. I don't think that you uh, put the ball in the court of the person in crisis because I don't think that they're capable of making like a uh, a wise decision. I guess you know, like if if someone's coming to you and they are in the posture that that this person was, you know, kind of like a uh, upset. Upset. Yeah. Um, then I think it's incumbent upon you to make the decision to be like wise on their behalf. Yeah. So yeah. Use I just my wanted, skills for good. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. With great power comes great responsibility. Spider Bay. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you ever ask for consent to switch gears with people? I hate consent. Okay. Just be. Just real. kidding. Be real. Consent's cool. Um, do I ever ask permission to, to what, to be kind, me? Yeah. To kind of take a more interviewee style or to, no, I, I mean, if you're doing, no, it, I use my, I use my judgment. I read the room. I, 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 I try to look objectively at a, a situation and say like, what is appropriate? What is my goal? You know? And then how do I achieve that? I guess I kind of do the same thing. I, we were talking last time about how I approach social situations mm-hmm. And when I'm in a large group, I know to kind of just be Liz and just, you know, have like standard conversation. But if I've broken away one-on-one with someone and I it's someone I do have a relationship or I'm trying to build a relationship with, I don't always ask for consent in those situations. I sometimes just try to dig a little bit deeper and ask the, like, how are you thinking and feeling type questions just to like... Because we are more one-on-one, there's a measure of privacy, and, like, that's another part of who I am to, like, build relationship. And so I try not to do it too intensely to the point of making someone uncomfortable. Um, I don't want someone to feel like they're in a therapy room, you know? Mm-hmm. But I do want to, like you said, under like, it's my curiosity about the person. It's my wanting to build relationship with the person and I some I will kind of dig deeper and, you know, actively listen, internalize what they're saying and ask questions, follow up questions 
that I deem relevant to what my goal is of getting to know their inner world better. Um, but like you said, I try to read the room and do it strategically, like not in a group, big group of people, because that puts someone on the spot to be vulnerable around people they may or may not feel safe being vulnerable with. Mm-hmm. But if I feel like there's a measure of safety with me, I will kind of go there. But if I get a sense that the person's trying to keep things light mm-hmm. and maybe rejoin the group soon or, you know, they're just trying to relax and have a drink, then I might not lean in this in the same way or push in in the same way. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess I try to also just use my judgment there. All right, what else do you want to know about me and my communication style? Well, I think you covered it. My Shaolin style. I like... My Wu-Tang style. I appreciated what you shared. Yeah, you always do. 